Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama cat cast. This is a teen drama late episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, we mentioned last time we had a writers' conference. It just is the way it is. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> a- and we also started uh, re-rehearsing, ongoing rehearsing. We're remounting a play. Yeah. So, so we went from like full weekend of conference to <laughs> rehearsal every night. Yeah. So hey. That's how it goes. Let's talk about this episode. You may have already watched the the next one. Uh, yeah, it's boy. Does is this ep- this season hard to follow? Yes, I feel like they kind of did some interesting things in the episode, but I couldn't buy in to any of it because it's, it's I don't. Just- Confusing where the characters are? Yeah, I don't know where anyone's at in their arc or journey or whatever. Like, we have three more episodes of this series. And I'm not saying they gotta go out on, like, a big, like, big bangs. Um, But, like, with one character, I think they're gonna do something with, like, like uh, the, the classic, like, oh, are these two gonna stay together at the end of the series thing? But with characters... Like, honestly, we aren't invested in. <laughs> well, and Kevin, I hate to tell you this, but I have not even been searching out Riverdale news. It's just been, like, delivering itself to my phone. <laughs> oh, that algorithm's hitting you hard. Uh, the rumor has, that has apparently been confirmed, though I trust nothing with this show, yeah. is that they are returning to the modern day. So that means none mm. of this matters. Well, I mean, I presume that their memories will remain. But, like, thinking about how do these... How do the things they experience this season reflect on their modern day lives? Their adult modern their day adult lives. Their adult modern day lives doesn't. Doesn't. Yeah. What, what did <laughs> they period, learn? Period. <laughs> what did they learn in the 1950s? Yeah. How did how does this address like like I guess the 1950s learned and, things from them and like I yeah and that's really the thing is that going from the beginning of this season. It was about them teaching the 1950s something. <laughs> but here's the thing. The 1950s are in the past for us. Like, I... Yeah. I, 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 and, and, oh man, there's someone out there who I'm sure is just like, don't worry about it. It's just a silly show. I understand. I understand. But it drives me mad because they, because it, because there's... There feels like it wasn't planned out. And this half last half of the season feels like they threw down all of these episodes and, like, shoved their hands on them and did, like, a, a casino shuffle on when things were going to be. Because Betty and, <laughs> Betty and Veronica were, like, a thing twice. And now they're just not. And, and I don't think they're going to be. Uh, was the, sh- the show was queer-beating us again. <laughs> again. <laughs> They started the show by doing it, and now they ended the show by doing how it. How is a show with, like, multiple queer relationships still queer, baby? Because it is doing it. Yeah, it's not even like, oh, it didn't work out like a regular, like a, re- like a regular Like a normal thing. relationship. Oh, man. Well, nothing about this is normal because this is Riverdale, and this is a podcast, and we're doing it about an episode, and this episode is... Man, that was the long way around. Riverdale, season seven, episode 17, A Different Kind of Cat. A Different Kind of Cat. (laughs) 
So this episode starts not with a Jughead voiceover while he's writing, but a Betty voiceover while she's writing. It's our fault for thinking anything's a motif. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I remember that during the first season. And maybe, looking back, I'm not even sure if he hit it every single episode of the first season. That being said, they can drop it. It's fine. So yes, the girl next door is writing her own feelings to the readers of the Teenage Mystique. I'm surprised that her having a P.O. box directly linked to her for this, like... This long? This illicit uh, hasn't, like, hasn't come up yet. And that probably isn't going to be a problem in the future. Uh, but yeah, so she's talking about all these things. And there are also facts that are very obviously her. Yeah, she doxes herself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, she do- Yeah. Uh, but, like, that, mostly, like, her mom would probably catch on that. We do get, I guess, the slap does affect her in some way, because, of course, it would. It just, the slap the mo- is the worst. Yeah, in that moment, she just came off a bit like a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's decided that she's going to take the, she's going to do what all, uh, popular article writers do. She's going to take her article and turn it into a book. Now, maybe I'm dumb. Was this called The Teenage Mystique before... I thought it was called The Girl Next Door. Is it now called The Teenage Mystique? Well, okay. So I didn't write that note down because I just assumed I was wrong. I didn't remember. I'm like, surely Aaron will remember that. I don't know. All I knew was Girl Next Door. I thought, I I bet when she put it up, it said Teenage Mystique Mystique or something. I know they address things to The Girl Next Door. Yeah, I just think I would have remembered because The Teenage Mystique is such a clear ripoff of the uh, feminist mystique. Yeah. And I don't know if Betty's uh, doing justice to the original. I mean, the problem is we've only heard it mentioned three times. Set up, then there's a break, and then the episode where people wrote to her, and there was a break. Yes? Yep. Uh, and now this one. And now she's just whining about how it's hard to be a teenager. Which, like, fair enough. Uh <laughs> But uh, this moves over to Veronica Lodge, like at school, because she's sort of narrating everything. Uh, Veronica Lodge and Jughead arrive, and Veronica is wearing a bridesmaid's dress. Well, I mean, she's she's wearing like a traditional 1950s dress, except that, except that it's strapless, which would that well, girl would fly. be sent home. Yeah, yeah. They for one for a show that really does want to like delve into the oppressive times, the 1950s. It's funny where they decide to be like well no i don't want to do that like well we want veronica to still look beautiful of course we don't want to we don't want to actually address <laughs> with the with the themes that we want to present address. uh this is so weird because doesn't this feel like this was originally the episode after the one where they first got together instead of them breaking up at the end of this episode yeah like yeah. they they they, they have the talk, like, Jughead's like, do you want to go in without me? Are we, like, openly going to tell everyone we're dating? And I'm just like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I still think their relationship is cute. I honestly do. Mm-hmm. Um, But this just feels weird. We get another classic, you know, walk down the hall where everyone looks at them. I think Tony scoffs at them. And I'm like, Tony. Cheryl scoffs at I them. I know Cheryl does, but Tony does do a heavy side eye. Yeah, yeah. Tony's there. Uh, so, yeah. So they're doing that and they get a lot of eyes and Jughead's like, well, that was weird. And Veronica's like, yeah, I haven't been looked at that time since I was uh, dressed up as a sexy teenage witch. And I'm like, oh my God, we're mentioning things. That happened before. That happened before. But then Jughead goes, 
It's because it's a plot point. Did I know about this? He didn't. It was like I, the episode after they broke up, maybe. <laughs> I think maybe it was. Um, I think they got together they, way after they, the Halloween episode. Ooh, no, I. I, mm, I think it was after. The it Halloween? doesn't. It doesn't matter. They they definitely weren't together. No, because you remember he ran in and smacked everybody's milk. That was the Halloween episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that was after because there was a moment where there was a shot of Veronica being like, "He's crazy." I shouldn't talk to him. Yeah, it was way after. Yeah. So um, he thinks the sexy teen witch is boss. So He's going to steal that idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's going to be and inspired. And I'm just going to point out yeah. that now Veronica likes comic books because they're about because her. Because they're about her. <sighs> Veronica also claims in this episode that her signature color is purple. And I was like, that's a damn lie. <laughs> it's, it's black. Black. It's black. No, don't get me wrong. Purple is... Purple is black, like <laughs> in every. Purple can be black. Well, I'm no in everything. Whenever they're like, oh, it's black, but they're like, oh, black doesn't really appear well on screen. It's <laughs> oh, kind of like a very mean. solid color. Uh, so we're just going to use purple, and that is that. Uh, like if you have like a magic character who wears all black, purple. Different shades of dark purple. Yep. Yeah. Uh, speaking of different this, shades this, of dark purple well i mean i was like i was i already had a segue lined up and then oh. you moved past it which was speaking of things being about someone uh archie and miss grundy are kind of like talking about poetry specifically the poet poem he wrote after he had his threesome and can now write poetry and he can because she can tell that something changed in him <laughs> yep yep so hey poets I guess that's things you should go off of. <laughs> hey, look, I mean, once again, it's fine. It's not actually portraying that. But then what he does say is, yep, I had a great experience and I'm going to go have it again. <laughs> and I'm like, Archie, no. Well, because Archie doesn't understand how like inspiration and things like that work. He's like, well, I did it once. I better do it. He, he's treating it like um, people treat superstitions around sports where it's like, Oh man, well the the Seahawks won when I went to, to go get a beer during the third quarter. This quarter is in football, right? Yeah. Cool. Uh during the th- I said period, but I'm like that's not what football <laughs> that's has. Hockey. Um Yeah, well I did that. Uh so I got to do that every single time. And that seems to be what he's going for. He's like as, as long as I have sex, as long as I pay for sex with Reggie, then I can write poetry. <laughs> So speaking of people doing, like, things that are just not super reasonable, um, Tony and Cheryl develop their sexy photos, lots and lots and lots and lots of copies of them yeah. at school. Yeah. I mean. I know they don't have a red room it's, elsewhere. Well, it's a, I know, you know, I'm sure Cheryl has a red room, uh, but they learned definitely don't do it. Don't do it at Cheryl's don't house. Don't do it at Cheryl's house. I mean, Tony Does she doesn't have a, have a house as far as we've seen. It's true. <laughs> so they develop all their bood- uh, boudoirs, is what I've started calling them. Their pinup bo- boudoirs. Uh, Jughead is clearly drawing Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yep, definitely, 100%. <laughs> yeah. In, like, the iconic old-style one of her flying on her broom. Yeah, and then Reggie makes an interesting decision off-screen, which is, I guess he decided to tell Julian that he had a threesome, threesome. With, um, with Archie and... Twilight Twist, and I am confused about that. But of course, Julian immediately just like shouts it in front of everyone. And Betty is so mad about this yeah. because he shouted it in a complimentary way, <laughs> sort of. 
I'm unclear. So Betty speaks on the double standard of like having sex uh, as a man and a woman, um, which she's right about. It just feels like this is in the moment and it feels like she sat there. That was said. And she did what I do when someone says something. Ping it around in my brain till it becomes a topic I'm interested in. <laughs> so I, I just don't. Okay. okay. This is going to come up a few times in this. I'm not from the 1950s. I'm yeah. not. I don't know about boys in the 1950s. I, so all I can really go off of is now. But I still, I feel like even in the 1950s, the boys weren't bragging about paying to have sex. Well, Kevin, I'm, we'll get there, but I'm not convinced <laughs> they did pay her. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was got to go up to that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, Betty I'm- is so upset by this, she storms out. Well, I mean, I would say that I don't know that the boys would be bragging about having a threesome with two dudes because we know how this town <laughs> feels about the gays. Yeah. And I don't think Julian would think it was cool. I, I, it didn't sound like he was cool. It sounded like he was more shocked than Betty once again. Well, what we learn is that, and this is so weird, that that voiceover we hear, I think is Betty lying to herself because that's not what she's upset about this episode. We learn what she's upset about this episode <laughs> later. And this could cue that, but she doesn't say it. It's weird to have a here's my here's a voiceover essentially about a tell-all book and it it feels like it it's wrong. But anyway, she runs outside and she knocks she she does why you shouldn't develop all your photos at school. She knocks all the pictures out of Cheryl's hands. And they fall to the ground and Betty's like, "Ooh." Oh, hello. So, um they have a cool, talk. Cool photos. And Cheryl's like, I'm dating Tony. And Betty's like, everyone knows. Dude, you guys keep kissing in public <laughs> you, and holding hands. You keep getting angry that you aren't allowed to tell everyone you're dating many times. Uh, but, you know, she's like, well, I'm the girl next door. And Cheryl's like, oh, my God. <gasps> nice to meet you. The 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 flip of a switch to Cheryl being like, you are my best gal, pal, is aggressive in this moment. <laughs> She's like, you do something I like? Yeah. Come on in. So, so um, Cheryl does reveal that their plan was to put, said those photos to, what's it called? It's called femin? Uh, fem and in. Fem and in. Um. Which seem yeah, so they're that le- the lesbian pinup magazine. They were gonna send it to that. So they were gonna force that magazine to publish child porn. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um Tri- th- I guess th- not force th- them, th- trick them into it. Yeah. So okay. Uh, th- in this thing, Betty will also be like, Well, what I should actually write your story in my book and you should take So they're just going to like straight up pretend it's not porn. And like here's the thing. I I just feel like this is a conflict probably between even our modern day sensibilities in the 1950s. Yeah. Like looking back, when you look at what they're doing, you wouldn't honestly look at that and say that is porn. Um, and I think there's a lot of arguments for the idea that like pinups and that stuff mm-hmm. is not like straight up porn, but you cannot deny it's not erotic. Like in the 1950s is yeah, Okay, it's, it's erotic now. Yeah. In the 1950s especially, and we have a lot of arguments today about like not having 16-year-old swimsuit models. Yeah. So So like you can make arguments about what is actually sexual, what's empowering, what's erotic. Um but at a certain point like when you look at what they did last time, in a way that that them the act of them doing it 
is fine. Is fine because yeah. like the pictures are for them. Like exactly. it's for them. Like you you are allowed to do that for yourself. And, yeah, absolutely. Or like or for someone you very 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 much trust. Thank you. And then you still have to know <laughs> yeah. that even though you very 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 times 10 trust them, yeah. you are still taking a risk by giving that over to someone. So, but so the problem the the re, the, the play the place where it shifts into a problem and I'm not sure why the show isn't really like seeing this as a thing is when you decide to distribute them openly. Like if you agree that these are obviously erotic, which is why Do you're keeping them a secret. Should you have an erotic magazine publishing erotic photos of 16 year olds? Like, like I'm almost more fine with Betty's thing because technically it is all her involved in that. It's this magazine, and I don't care that all the editors are a bunch of women. That does not make it. Because but the editors it, also don't know. The editors don't know unless Cheryl writes well, and she's like, "Excuse me, I'm a 16 year old girl who's coming out. Yeah. Will you still pub- will you please publish my pictures?" They'll be like, "No." Yeah, like the, the 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 way that they're addressing this with not even Betty being like nobody being like, "Well, aren't you under age?" makes me feel like they just don't consider it, and maybe even the publishers will be like, "Yeah." empowering photos of a 16 year old for our erotic magazine and it's just bewildering that it's not like there's nothing there for for a show that is so judgy about like webcams (laughs) (laughs) okay but they were never the problem with the webcams was never that betty was underage no that's what i they thought it was gross that's what i mean they don't like like webcams in that that is gross but this magazine is fine I think, I think presumably because they're like, oh, but it's probably like published by women for women. You can't be exploitative if it's if it's done by women for women. Yes, it can. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I don't think the show quite realized that Archie and Grundy were problematic. It's like they only realize it no, now. When I mean, showed it out for seven years. I mean, no. Here's the thing: they did. Know that I, I looking back on that like that yeah. arc, I think they just presented it poorly. They 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 I, I don't want to litig- litigate the first episode, the first season again. Um, yeah. But like looking back on it, I think they just presented it poorly. But they definitely weren't on the side when you judge like she left, and then everyone, and then like you had the evil person judging Archie, while the good person was protecting him, and then she was later killed. Like, that is a show's way of being like, we condemn this. Anyway, that is first season stuff. Yeah, I guess so. We, I, are, we are so far removed from that I now. I just feel like the show doesn't recognize that their characters are teenagers. It's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah. Does not want them to be teenagers, does not recognize them to be teenagers. Well, speaking of not recognizing as teenagers, a mysterious arrival arrives, that wasn't a good sentence, at the <laughs> Babylonium. And up, up above, they're showing that night a star is born, which probably is the most egregious one because that movie came out in 2018. It sure did. <laughs> and then also three times before that. In case you're interested, this is the Judy Garland one that came out in 1954. I knew there's four versions of this yeah, movie. I, I wanted to know which star Version is it was born. Supposed to be. This pro- I mean, I guess it could be the earlier one. Ooh, I can't remember that one. But it's most likely the Judy Garland one. So that's fun. Yeah. I don't know why she has it, but that's okay. Well, I mean, Veronica's movie theater is weird. Yeah. Uh, so Veronica does like the witch, but that's not the point 
of the scene. We have to continue the victory lap of former characters just winning, a, being perfect people who are winning 100%. And so, in this case... This perfect character is Josie McCoy, grown I, yeah, woman. Yeah, no, 100%. She has to be a grown woman. Because they, she is the founder of the Black American Theater Project. Yeah, she, she's and done... And she's won a Tony. Yeah, she's done so much. So I think... I think she's an adult, which means, which hey, mean- let's pull back for a second. Tabitha. <laughs> Tabitha. So you're doing weird things. <laughs> made made Evelyn a, a teenager. <laughs> made Josie an adult. So remember how Katie Keene <laughs> skipped forward five years before Riverdale did? <laughs> Tabitha only watched Katie Keene. <laughs> <laughs> but she met the Pussycats. They came and performed at her yeah, diner. Yeah, as an adult. That's I don't know true. why Evelyn's a teenager. <laughs> So, yeah, so we, we learned some stuff about her. Um, her her big hot thing is going uptown. It's a, um, a, a, a blast of a Broadway musical, and it's being turned into a movie musical. And she's doing everything on it. Director, producer, writer, star. Yeah, so it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. <laughs> yep. The auteur theory is nonsense. There's a reason that Ryan Johnson doesn't act in his movies. But, uh, hey, maybe she's magical. Maybe, but but I saw the Laurence Olivier Hamlet, and it was not good. Yeah. Once again, we're kind of seeing the, uh, not the morals, the stand, the the idea. The The values of this show. So, uh, but she, she's going to say a lot of things. Hearing this version of Josie, who's very different from the other version of Josie, this version of Josie and Veronica talk to each other is the worst thing I have ever seen. <laughs> it's two people. Two posers. Who, who, it's two posers, but aren't po Like, the fact that it reveals that these two aren't actually posers, but they actually are both as big a deal as they make themselves out to be, is infuriating after this specific scene. Because the summary is that Josie... Wants to screen the movie, but she doesn't want to do it for a bunch of stuffy suits. I thought the idea is she wanted to do it for, like, normal people. Just people who are there. But she specifically wants to do it for cool normal people. Yep. There can't be any rubes or blue hairs. Only cool teens. Only cool teens. The ones with the most disposable income to buy your movie tickets. Okay. So, this is to say this. There's a reason why even movies that are, like, directed towards that. Like, there's a reason why there's no movies that are directed specific to teenage audiences. They usually go a bit higher or lower to try to grab some parents in there as well. Exactly. There will be no parents here. Um, But Veronica is – so, they show the the movie. The theater is cool. It's great for what Josie needs. It's a little bit too small, but – Well, and Veronica's like, hey – God, Veronica. Um, she after seeing, it, she's like, "The movie's so great. Just have a premiere. Just have a premiere." And I'm like, "No, screenings are important. important. You know how, how many movies come out and like, there's no like critics who are reviewing it. Um, but they they do like they're they're using a lot of terminology in weird ways. Um, they're more in the film in the film industry than I am. Like I'm I I have a ba- I have a bachelor of film studies and I've worked in like yeah. the production side for a while." feels off uh 
Then, I just love it so much. She says this from a cover premiere thing. And she's like, we should do this, we should do this. And then Josie's like, no. And then Veronica goes back to Josie's plan, but makes it sound like it's her own plan. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's like, like, okay, well, I know what to do. Well, I'll bring them in and I'll get surveys. <laughs> yeah, Josie. Asked for Josie that. Josie said that. But as Aaron alluded to earlier, it's a bit small. And they just, they got to make sure that the town is cool enough. So Veronica's like, great, the town is very cool. And I'm like, Veronica, you've been very clear at the town. Okay. I'll show you it at 8 a.m., the coolest <laughs> time, when I'm at school. Come to my school. Come to my Meet school. my friends, like I made my dad like do. Like I made my dad do. You can teach English <laughs> class. I do love how everyone had, like, a fun victory lap, except for Hiram, who had a... <laughs> who had, like, the starter gun shoot him in the <laughs> kneecap as he was leaving. Hermione got a victory lap, and look... Hey, she sucks as much as Hiram does. She might suck more. Yeah. Um, but That's the past. Kevin, three more episodes. Hiram could be coming back. I don't, I don't think he is. <laughs> I think they're doing the victory laps. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to go out at night because uh, the one thing that I uh, can agree, I, with? agree with, with jo- or I have in common with Josie um, and the Pussycats, and not the Pussycats, is uh, waking up at 3 p.m. And <laughs> so, drinking espresso. Oh, no, never that. Just being tired all day. So while this is going on, while they're having their midnight visit... The most confusing thing happens. Archie goes to see Twyla Twist. There's a flowers. Now, this is not confusing. No, this, this is, is funny, because he's a teenager who doesn't... He's like, well... It, it, this is the falling in love with a stripper thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then she opens the door and he's like, hello, another tumble, my lady? And she's like, no, I only do one, th- like, like one night things. I'm not a long term. And I'm like, wait, no, 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 Twyla's a, Twyla's a prostitute. No, I think she is a slutty older woman who Sheriff Keller Just paid, paid to sleep with his son. Yeah. I mean, that would explain why she didn't uphold the prostitute's law. That's true. She's That's why ju- she was a narc. She's just an... So she was only paid for narking. She wasn't paid for prostituting. Well, she slept uh, with that teenager for fun. Hey, look. Show. Um, That's worse. Yes, this is worse. <laughs> like... Like, that makes her a worse... I don't think you care about whether or not Twyla's a good or a bad person. No, but person. she's a sexual it predator. Her, it makes her a lot worse. Like, like, the prostitute thing, you're like, well, I mean, like, she's doing it for doing it for money. She's clearly not in good straits. You can make arguments that, like, we know, like, she's not, like, a, she's not a no... She's not a... She's not a... What's... Well, what's the thing? Hooker with a heart of gold? Mm-hmm. Is that the cliche? Yep. Yeah, she's not that. Um, But this... What? <laughs> but she, they were sitting outside like it was a waiting room. She has one room. What is, who is she? <laughs> but her, and her advice is, hey, not like go date a girl your, your own, own age, age or just leave me alone. It's, hey, go find a MILF. So um, <laughs> I guess Archie's going to go find a MILF. And I sat here thinking, who are the moms left on this show? I mean, she does just say older woman because we do know she doesn't have a daughter or a son. A, a child. Or, or even a non-binary child. But I we, did not even think that he was going there. I oh, was like, is you he going to try to seduce like Alice or something? I mean, if we had more time, it would be funny to see him just kind of like weave his way <laughs> through like 
the mums in yeah, town. Yeah, there's a picture of him on, on the phone with, like, who you can imagine is Hermione on the other side. <laughs> and he, like, never quite gets far enough that anyone realizes what's going on. But no, um, something that I think could have been very funny, which, like, once again, this show is not a comedy. It would have been, like, very, like, um, American Pie, which maybe we've moved past in yeah. comedy, but I don't think so. so a boy uh, trying to sleep with MILFs is funny. Yeah, so audience... Do you know who he was going to go sleep with? You might have already watched this episode. Once again, there's episodes coming out late. You might have watched the next episode. Uh, but he's going to go off to that. Uh, we we see some quick things here. Betty's getting her, like, pinup photo done for a cover. In her bedroom, which yeah. made me very nervous. Yeah, I guess we just had... Yeah, this... Every... There are so many things in this episode that feel like they are setups for failures. And they're not. Nope. Uh, but she's going to get that done. Uh, Tony Fangs' manager. <laughs> it's really what she is. You know, Tony, an adult woman. Yeah. Uh, approaches, hears through the grapevine that Josie McCoy, also an adult woman, uh, is in town. So goes up to Veronica and is like, hey, I hear you're taking Josie McCoy to the dark room. The only cool place we have in town for a poetry reading. A uh, very brave choice on whether or not it's going to be cool or not. Uh but uh, Fangs is going to play. And I'm not sure why. I mean, I know why she informs Veronica, but she doesn't need no. to. She's in charge of that. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, she can just put him on stage. Because I think she owns it. Like, really what she's saying here is, hey, when I put him on stage. Make sure Josie pays attention. Yeah, wingman him. Which I would have liked yeah, that. Yeah, but instead it is asking, <laughs> he's going to go up. Like, Veronica set up the, the, the night. What is happening? Okay. And then... <laughs> Exactly what I thought was going to happen, which is Archie has decided that he's going to try to seduce Miss Grundy, which is only funny in the context of watching the entire series because you know who she is. Exactly. But everything else is worse when you think about the whole series. (sighs) I mean, I guess it's not funny if he's John. It's kind of funny if you're just like, oh, Archie's going to try to seduce his teacher. His teacher who talks about her husband literally any opportunity she gets. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he might be a fake husband. (laughs) My husband in Canada. (laughs) So, uh, throughout all this, Jughead has finished getting up some nice sheets for Veronica, the teenage witch. And he shows them to Fieldstone, and Fieldstone's like, I really like them, but dude... The comics code. And I... Can you make her cuter? I like this. So, like, okay. I it, This is all goofy reference, obviously, to Sabrina the Teenage Oh, years. yeah. Like, that is the thing. Um, but this is incredibly a very good scene of showing how... Things become things. Well, no, no, no. How, um, during this time, comics and movies and all this had to do this inc- insane work to purposely work around... Un- to work on purposely unambiguous rules. He's like, she can't be a witch. So she's a half witch. Um, also, like, uh, just c- d- collars up to the neck. Collars up to the neck. Make uh, her blonde. Uh, and make her blonde because, like, she's too much like Veronica Lake. And no, that no. might make people think that she is sexy. The name change is because she's too much like Veronica Lake. Right. Her name can't be Veronica because her name is like Veronica yeah, Lake. I think those are cued to – they might be cued together. No, they but, were separate, and I thought it was funny. I was um, like, really? <laughs> the name is sexy and the looks are sexy. Yeah, but that is, like, the ridiculous thing. They're like, we, we, we do not want this to get, get booted, so we'll do, yeah. like – We'll do these things like, like maybe like blonde is less sexy than uh, than like black hair. So we'll 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 do blonde and like do all these things and like the crazy things they had to do to get around rules that were 
that were so broad that you're like, mm-hmm. I don't, they can just say no if they decide they don't like it. And I think some of this stuff might be actual things that Sabrina the Teenage Witch had to deal with. I think maybe her being a half witch was there getting away satan- around satanic stuff. Yeah, I would imagine so, because it was really right around this time. Yeah, I just, I feel like that was a thing that I knew once in the past. So while this is going on, Cheryl and Betty are developing Betty's photos. And Betty is very, 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 very sad that she's never had sex. Well, yes. She has imposter syndrome because she's never had sex. And then it shifts a bit. And it's not that she's never had sex. It's that she's never, let's just say climaxed. And so Cheryl. Cheryl's like, dude. There's something you can do about that. Well, I'm like, Cheryl's going to teach her how to get herself off? I mean, not Cheryl directly. This lesbian pinup magazine that might publish photos of 16-year-olds. Has a how-to guide. Has just jerk-off instructions in it. (laughs) So this does make me that her thing in this case wasn't exactly about sex. It was about... I just want to say, like, those are those are kind of different things, but it is funny where her focus, like, one thing at a time. Look, I'm not, I'm not here to like burst anyone's bubble, but I think the only people, characters, teenage characters on the show who have had sex in the 1950s are Fangs and Midge, yeah, and Archie, yeah, Archie and Reggie. Well, I mean, I I don't think Julian has had sex. Um, yeah, no, I think his is a lie. I think, I mean, no, you know what? I think he has. I do think his only time though was when oh, his that's dad right, paid. Oh, that's right, with Twist. So, 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 just will take payment, but sometimes she'll also do it for fun. It's a hobby. You gotta love what you do. That's the thing. You can't turn your hobby into a job, otherwise you'll stop loving it. Yeah, she's actually a lawyer. <laughs> Um, um, so, uh, I would also argue that Betty has climaxed. She sang that song with Veronica, and I would argue at the end of that song, they both got satisfaction. Meanwhile, <laughs> Veronica is not offended. So, Veronica has weird, I don't know, now that she's successful, she's happy with comic books, because, you know, she gets the feedback from Jughead that Veronica the Teenage Witch is too yeah. sexy, and she's like, yeah, that's true. Being a, I mean, I think it's because she was compared to Veronica Lake. She's like, okay, that's a win. <laughs> uh, she is being a good girlfriend because she's she is focusing on him. She's like, I'm sorry that that no no wait no. no, no this no. is not when she's oh this right sorry. this is when she's like you should name her Sabrina like Audrey Hepburn. Yes, yes, Sabrina, Sabrina. That's how Sabrina the Teenage Witch will be made. I thought this was going to lead up to something because I'm constantly like. They have to figure out the 1950s. And I thought maybe this would, like, bring Sabrina into existence. I still don't want more Sabrina. No. Because she's the... She is the worst part of the show. Yes. <laughs> she's fine in her show. Uh, but, yeah, so Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, at, at the dark room, before we get into everything else, we do have a quick interstitial. Uh, at the dark room. It feels like an interstitial at the dark yes. room. Where Archie <laughs> has taken the stage. A very bad poem so, about <laughs> temptation. So it's like a beat style poem. Yeah. But it still rhymes. And it's so obviously like <laughs> there's so there's no one else it could be about. Okay. He's figured out rhyming. He has not figured out metaphor <laughs> or simile 
or illusion. <laughs> yeah, or subtext because this is just a story about a student who's in love with his teacher and then he bites an apple poorly cuz damn KJ Apple's give it his best. I <laughs> love it. I love him for it. Uh there should have been 7 seasons of this. Uh, so everyone know everyone knows is what it is, especially Miss Grundy, who's like, Who I leaves? gotta leave. <laughs> and then everyone makes fun of the poem to his face. Yeah. <laughs> like Tabitha basically says she's like, okay, well that just wrecked our night. Get off the stage, Archie. <laughs> yeah, there's no like letting him down easy, huh? I mean, he knows. Yeah, he You don't have to it. tell him. Uh I I wanna this. I mean, like, Josie also says something. And I just want to be clear. At this point, Josie sucks. Like, oh, she's... if if this per- character was anyone but Josie, she would be the villain. A grown woman coming into a small town saying, maybe I'll do something great for your town, but prove to me how cool you are. And then making fun of a teenage boy. And and I understand... Who's what we, doing a brave thing. Yeah, and I understand what you, would, what you would say is like, oh, but it is Josie McCoy, so we know it's fine. I'm like, is that... One, number one, we've never met Josie McCoy before in this timeline. She is an adult, and, and she's acting entirely differently. Like, like you know, in like if this was Hiram, if he arrived in town and was like, your town isn't cool enough for my big Hollywood movie, so you'll have to put yourself on display, and then I'll decide whether or not to grace your town with my film. Like, they kind of portray her in a different way, especially later on, but she's... She's she's the she's the perfect example of like a designated good guy because they're like it's Joyce McCoy and she's a good guy. Everything she's saying is fine. But this this I almost thought this episode might end with her being like, you know what? I thought maybe this t- I need like cool people, but no, I just need real people like you and you and real people there. No, she needs people no just like no her. she needs cool people. I mean, let us not forget, though, when we first met Josie in the first episode, it started by her telling Archie he wasn't cool enough to listen to her write music. Yeah, no, I would argue that this is along the sign lines of what the way we met Josie. But this episode treats her like she, once again, her victory lap, like when like yeah. when Polly came in. Yes. Well, and also they treated her like it was good of her to do that last time, too. <laughs> so, uh, so, but hey, don't worry. We'll bring it back because Fangs is going to play. Uh, specifically, he's going to play Great Balls of Fire. Which is going to be cross-cut with Cheryl painting and Betty having some Betty time. Yeah. Um, it's a bit early for this song for Jerry Lee Lewis. But I think the implication, it's, I think it's, it's always for me fine when Fangs plays it. Or when someone does it as a specific performance. Um, because I think the implication is that now they invented it. Like when uh, Marty went back in time yeah. and, <laughs> and played that, which it's a bit weirder when it's a meta thing and it's just like you decided to have them sing a... I mean, we've already stolen songs from musicals that came out in like 2004, and, so at and, least this one's from the right time period. And we'll steal more. But uh, <laughs> Josie asks after this, Veronica, if Fangs can play the bongos. And Veronica says he can. And I thought Veronica was lying. I thought she was lying. But no, when you're a musician on a... Now, here's the thing. This is just... This is classic TV show stuff. (laughs) If you're a musician on a TV show, you can play every instrument. But I do like to believe that off screen, Veronica ran up to... (laughs) Ran up to Fangs and said, Fangs, can you play the bongos? And he's like, no, I I play guitar and I sing. He's like, okay, 
you gotta play the bongos. <laughs> so he does a bongo. He did play piano in this one, so maybe he can play every instrument. Anyway, he bongos. Yeah. Mostly off stage. Yeah. Well, Veronica does, or Veronica. Oh my god. <laughs> I <laughs> well, mean, but, Josie. Hey, they both do very similar things. So does like a very like like. I can't think of another word than beat, po- beat poetry, but it's not that. You always think, Very, I like, slinky, loungy I song. I don't know where exactly it's from. I just know who it's originally by, which is Eartha Kitt. Yeah. As who played cat, cat woman. So I'm like, wait, is, was this done on the Batman animated series with Eartha Kitt as cat? Because she's also done Yeah, Well, music. she could have done it for, like, a lounge act that, or something that's because she played Catwoman. That's the thing. Like, I, like... I think it's there, but I'm just like, okay. So once again, Eartha Kitt. Uh, and after this all, Josie's in. This sounds cool. In. She good. loved that they let her do her cat song. Yeah. But there's one last thing we have to do. Even though, and I need to, I cannot stress this enough. She is in. Like, she's going to do the thing at B- yeah. the Babylonium. But it's time for Tony to invite Josie to Black Athena, the Literary Society for Black Students. So she's going to go to that. Of course she is. Of course. Uh, so the next day at school, Grundy comes into her classroom where Archie already is waiting for her. Hello. I kind of wanted it, the lights to be up, but she just turns on the lights. And uh, she's oh, like, no, wait. I cannot stress this enough. Um, the or, the previous scene as well, they are also like in in the dark oh, yeah, room in the closes. morning. Yes, until 3 a.m. Those kids are not going to school. No, because no, because I think I think that scene is in the morning. Like they stayed up the all Athena. night. Oh no, that scene is in the morning. Yes, yes. yeah. But Black Athena could be after oh, school. They yeah, could have skipped school and then had their thing. Yeah, I more of meant that also they stayed up until the next morning. Yeah, Josie's drinking espresso. Yeah, no, they're they're definitely not going to school. But sorry, but Archie is. Yes, Archie is because he got laughed out of that club. Um, and Grundy is, says in very like uh, cordial, like not cordial, um. Like uh, she, she implies to Archie, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. I have a husband. Remember my yep. husband. I'm sorry, I had to leave so early. I had a had a late dinner with my husband. Uh, now, here, here's what you should do, Archie. No more love poems ever. <laughs> Just poems about sorrow and pain. So much pain, but not teenage heartbreak. That's all. I mean, those are the two feelings you can have as a poet. You can have love or love pain. Or pain. I I. Okay, number one, I do love what Grunny's like, you gotta stop listening to Clay. Like, there are other <laughs> things but poems can be about than sex. I know Clay only thinks poetry and writing is about sex. Like he's, In that one episode. I feel like now I can address that to all his things. Uh, but I like how she doesn't go for, what you should do is instead go for, like, awe or feelings of wonder. Because she said, stay up, watch the sunrise. Yeah. She's like, no, instead, I got to give you the poetry equivalent of a cold shower. Just write about sad things, not heartbreak, sad things. And like, that's, that's got to be her tactic for like, how do I cool this kid down? Like, what oh, is the opposite of sex? I know, depression. <laughs> so Archie's going to do that. going to do that. Um, brief scene, Cheryl shows Betty the painting because Betty, oh, I don't think we actually said this. Cheryl decided that Betty was going to pick her favorite picture and then Cheryl, and then Cheryl was going to paint it so yeah. that her book cover could look exactly the way that she wanted. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know if that's how any of this works. I mean, no, here, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, it would. Um, it's, I don't think she, she did not need a full size book. oil painting. Well, no, she, no, she did. Mm, 
ooh, in the 1950s, maybe? I don't know how they would template that onto a book, honestly. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know too much about that copy process. Uh, I was going to say that... I don't she think didn't she need needed, a full photo shoot. She didn't need a full photo shoot with like lighting all those things. You just need to take a picture of herself in the right like position. Yeah. So that Cheryl could like get the position because other I, than or Betty would have to well, sit there for Kev, hours. Kevin, I don't think Cheryl knows how to visualize things. So. <laughs> yes. Also, uh, no, she visualized when. No, that's 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 future Cheryl. Yes. This Cheryl, Cheryl can only paint. Pi- I, pictures. I do like somewhat neurotic painter Cheryl. It was weirdly endearing when she was like, "If you want me to change anything, I'll change something. Like, if you want the background, like I'll I'll, I'll re- redo the entire painting." And Betty's like, "No, it's it's yeah, good." It's because Cheryl likes Betty now. Because yeah. Betty did something that Cheryl thought was cool. Yeah. Uh. So Jugged um had brought in uh is brings in the Sabrina the Teenage Witch to Fieldstone. That's pretty much the entire. And they scene. think this is gonna save Pep Comics. Yep. Uh. Josie goes to Black Athena. Which now has more than five students in it. <laughs> I'm very happy. It's bigger. <laughs> and then she does what in the common parlance would be called an AMA. She sure yeah. does. And she is obnoxious. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, I know she's supposed to be inspirational and I get the point of the scene. But, and she's doing, she's doing very 1950s music star. Like, oh, darling, that's the only way I know how to do things. Yeah, she's doing 1950s music star meets 2023, um, looking back sensibilities as we always have yeah and i understand the audience in 2023 but because the question she pretty much gets after everyone spent some time explaining how cool she is um which is like essentially did you compromise and she's like i never compromised i never had to compromise uh the only way i know how to be is both fierce and vulnerable now what we're doing here essentially is a uh kind of a mixed messages between being a uh being like a black woman in the 1950s and being an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are getting like essentially meshed together because yeah, in your personal life view as a human being, you should never have to compromise as an artist. Sometimes you should. Yeah. <laughs> especially because art is collaborative and like, you need to work, you need to work with people. Mm, no, it's not collaborative. Cause remember Josie's the director and the producer. Now we will learn why in a yes. little bit. Uh, but we learned some other stuff, apparently, um, in, like, a theater she owned. Um, in the Harlem theater she owned several years ago. Yeah, she played uh, Lady Macbeth opposite Charles Clayton, which, is that Chuck Clayton? I'm wondering, because didn't he become, he was in one of the musicals towards the end. I mean, they were all in one of the musicals. Uh, but Charles is, uh, the Chuck longer, is, a nickname, is an adult yeah. name. For, I mean, you guys be checking them up, but. Anyway, um, and then they kind of talk about stuff. So this got to, I want to say this very carefully. I do not know the black experience now. I don't know the black experience in the 1950s. I don't say that, that so I'm not going to go into anything but the substance of what they say. Yeah. It just feels like they're saying a bunch of platitudes, but never saying anything direct. Like current, like right now in the 1950s in the show, <laughs> There's still like legal segregation in their country, but all but what they say, what Tony says, what they all say, they're like, I was tired of people telling me who I should be and the gatekeepers. I'm tired of the gatekeepers trying to keep me back. I'm like, yeah, the gatekeepers. Like white supremacy. Well, and it's like, you know, it's interesting because we do have characters like Tabitha who is out on the road yeah. doing things. Yeah. But- and then we have the intellectuals who are sitting in a room. Yeah, like there's talking about how they and they should be proud to be themselves. Oh God, this it's, is it's, the, it, no, no. What, what's good? My my 
the but this only, is like the only the thing I want to say is specifically yeah. how they were written. I do not know the writer's room. This does not feel like someone who is confident enough to have these people say like the actual things. Like the the way they have them talk about like mm-hmm. once again the Jim Crow laws that were like just going on and like they're this is the 1950s. It's very recent to a very bad time and things are still pretty bad now. Um but they talk like what this is the mix up or this is the, the that mixed messages between artists and like social issues. They're talking like artists but yeah. about like human rights. Well, and if I may, yeah. like what I was going to say is this is the problem we always come down to with Riverdale doing their 1950s thing cuz they do the same thing with their queer storylines where it's just like the only answer is to be yourself. Yeah. No actionable items, nothing to do. <laughs> You should just be yourself. It's not about sociological change. It's not about uh, anything like that. It's about just be yourself harder. Have you tried being yourself? And like there are – like it doesn't acknowledge the systemic issues. It's just like, hey, you – yeah, Josie's. Be you don't fight against the system. Like she never talks about the hardship. That's, that's why she Josie's saying I never compromised, and I understand she's just being hype for a bunch of teenagers. Like, teenagers, but like you're also seeing like uh, it's also for an audience uh, of people watching. So and I don't know. I feel like teenagers would have wanted to hear like, yes, it was hard. It was and hard. Sometimes I did feel like I had to compromise, and there were times in my career where I where I did compromise, and that's how I but, decided that I needed to start the Black American Theater Project. Yeah, but instead it said this thing where it's just like, no, I never did it. I never had to because I'm better than you. It's and, rough. And also, I can't jive with this because Josie is a contemporary, like Josie the character is a contemporary to these characters. <laughs> yeah. And I know they've made her an adult, but my brain, so there's also that cognitive oh, dissonance but, where I'm like, I cannot buy into but this. But they never confirm she's an adult. We just have to make guesses. And that's fine. She doesn't have to come in and be like, hi, I'm Josie McCoy, full grown adult. But we, the last time we saw her, she was a child and everyone else is a child and like, yeah, she was, and, and she's Ver- the same age as people. She and, should be the same age as people. And the people. way Veronica acts this episode is as an adult. Mm-hmm. Veronica is an adult this episode because immediately after this, Josie goes to Veronica and sort of reveals the truth. Okay, so she was inspired by her speech to the children to do a premiere because I guess by doing a preview, she was compromising. Yeah, that wasn't set up very well. When, when Veronica was like, oh... We should do a premiere. I didn't realize we as the audience were supposed to be like, no, Josie, you should do a premiere. Premiere. Like, Veronica's right, because I don't think she is. I think screeners are real good, especially when you made the movie all yourself. Well, and also even plays do previews, and then the plays change. Yeah. Hey, uh, but why does she do the movie all herself? So it turns out that this wonderful musical that she was in and wrote... She won a Tony for acting in it. Yeah, it does seem to imply that she also made, like, wrote it. Like, once again, it's another thing I did myself. So this wonderful musical that she wrote and starred in had the movie rights picked up by a company, and she was so excited. But they were going to whitewash her. Which does suck. Yeah, no. That does suck. No, I'm like, yeah, that is is absolutely a thing. Like, I mean, I don't think they had to dwell on it more, but it is funny how it just brought up. I'm like, that's a problem that's going on right now. I Uh, mean... Maria in West Side Story, played by Natalie Wood. Yeah, like, so, hey, real real life issue. And that makes sense. So she's like, well, and I'm not going to do that. Because during that, like, if if Josie wrote this, I'm going to imagine it's very much about her experience. The, <laughs> black experiences. So, um, but she's like, no. So instead, I, like, took all the money, because I am very rich, 
uh, and I uh, like remortgaged my uh, brownstone in New York. So essentially, if this movie fails, she will absolutely lose everything. She'll everything be broke. And so, so she's going to do a, a giant premiere because apparently that's what she needs. I just want to talk a, talk a moment, I guess, in a bit more hey story notes kind of way. So there were no stakes to this. Like she at the beginning, she was like. I want to like I want to do this, and when Veronica brought up do a premiere, that felt like okay. Then they pass it off. Who matters? And then Josie was in. She said, "I will do the screening," and I'm like, "Cool." They we got won. what we needed, and then we got then we got more that we didn't realize was stakes. Well, and it turns out that she needs this to be a great success because she doesn't have anyone to distribute it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why she couldn't just like I don't know Josie don't. Do it all alone. Why are you trusting a 16-year-old to make your premiere a success? I mean, I, I think they, they implied that essentially she's in a state where no one would trust her to do it. So, like, it's not that she wants to do it alone. She has to do it alone. I mean, I think she could have brought in collaborators and not directed and wrote it and starred in it. <sighs> yeah, I mean, like, clearly she had, like, crew that she that she used, but not, like, anywhere up there. Um, yeah, Yes. 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 You you need top level collaborators. <laughs> they don't have to have connections, but you need. Yeah. Which is why, if you gave this more time to breathe, we could have seen that like she went around and she got no like no one would no one believed in her. Yeah. And then you could be like Veronica. I know that you're a teenager, but you believed in me. So. And the reason I came here is because I heard about the thing you did with. Yeah, like it's so close, but it's not there. And more than anything. She should have still said no. She should have been so afraid. Like, she's so afraid yeah. of this going wrong. She's unwilling to take this up for. She's like, I don't know. I, I still, need to tinker with I, it more. I, I still, like, m- like maybe we'll, we'll do it. I still need to, I still need to think about more. Maybe your place will work. Maybe I should go to, like, Greendale. And yeah. then, I don't know, spits on the ground. Uh, and then Tony could be like, well, that's unfortunate. Would you like to come to this? And then that should have completely changed her mind. Instead, she's in, and then she's more in. It's like when Betty... And then Cheryl was not racist and then more not racist. So then there's a short scene where Fangs, Mitch is starting to show now. So an indeterminate amount of time has passed. Yes. And uh, he is, well, well, since she's no longer in school, she's no longer holding it in. Uh, that's, that's how what babies he, work. You can do that. You can do that, right? You just yeah, just t- tuck the baby up under your rib, yep. ribs. <laughs> just tuck it. Uh, wear a belt. So Fangs is apparently getting hooked up with Alexander Cabot. Everything's going great. Uh, cool. I can't believe his storyline is I'm going to be famous. <laughs> so he's going to be famous, but yep. Sabrina the Change Witch is not. No, it was rejected. Even with a half witch, they're like, mm, still says witch on the cover. But that Veron- is sad. Veronica's Veron- like, it's cool, though, Jughead. It's still a cool idea. And maybe you're just ahead of your time, yeah, which maybe is something that happened to the real Sabrina the Change Witch. I don't know. Uh, but that's just the premise of the of the that could have been many premises of this series. Kind of got it at some points. Uh but this is something that I honestly found very cute happened. That's like perfect, like perfectly symbolic of these two's relationship. Oh my god, it's so good. Because Ronga's like, look, if you don't want to come to the premiere because like you're sad, that's cool. And she's like, no, 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 I'm never gonna get invited to a Hollywood premiere. However, every shirt I own has an S on it. <laughs> and Ronga's like, I secretly tailored you suits. <laughs> don't worry, boo, I got you. Don't worry, boo. 
And I'm just imagining her like sitting next to him, like like lying on him and just subtly just like feeling out his leg. Be like, she's like That's probably about this minute. She's got she her is. hand and just like measuring yeah. things with yeah. her she, hands. She like. has like she has like, little ticks on her fingers and she's like <laughs> she like puts her hands on his neck and just like, Okay, that's okay, that's like what are you doing? Don't worry about it. I'm gonna kiss you. It's fine. <laughs> and then she's like out of his back and just like has a like, he's eating breakfast and just I love it. I love the image of that. Uh so that's happening, and uh, as everything's, like, going on, we quickly see that Archie, his decision of what sad thing is he going to write, because what... What s- sad <laughs> thing could Archie write about? What have we been, maybe, setting up for this entire time? Oh, right. He's got a dead dad. Man, Clay really did a number on him for thinking <laughs> that only sex is the way to write poetry. <laughs> Clay. But this, um, this show has... And I think Josie. Josie has really brought the crowds out to Riverdale. Oh, yeah. Knowing now and almost confirming that we are so close to um, New York makes this – this makes sense to me because – they just hopped on a train. Yeah, they they hopped on a train. They heard that Josie McCoy, kind of a rise – like a rising star, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in like black cinema. Tony Award winner. Yeah, they're like, well, let's – Let's go see what this is. At the very – hey, even if it crashes and burns – that is still it's good. It's a story. Yeah, so it makes sense that I'll be there, including one man who is just the, the surliest movie critic. He comes in so angry. And then they make Josie go, oh, who's that? And I'm like, oh, I remember someone else should have asked. I oh. rewound it and watched oh, it wow. numerous times. Josie's the one who says I think my man. head was down and I just assumed that that was the other way around. I mean, I, Veronica does have film connections but like if Josie wants her movie to be a success she should know who she needs to impress yeah so uh the film begins but oh no immediately drama chaos the film burns it splits and they're gonna have to re-splice it together it could take up to five minutes this feels like these are fake stakes well yes they are fake stakes don't get me wrong they are fake anyway sorry but it does feel like this is somebody in the writer's room they look over at at a uh at a shelf and on the top there's a dusty tome they pull it off and they blow it off and it says it's basic screenwriting <laughs> and they open it up and it says oh in the third act there should be a sudden like ra- conflict a conflict a raising of stakes and they're like what were the stakes and they're like well i mean the stakes are that josie might not like if this movie fails josie will you know become destitute she'll lose all her money she's a big, big inspiration for people mm-hmm. probably heard a lot of things so we got to do something. They're like, okay, I guess the film burns. Hey, you know what? It's not a bad stake. If you could set up earlier that, hey, I think the projector is being a bit weird. Yeah. I just um, felt like everyone's reactions to it were like unhinged. I, but, no, no. Ver- Veronica is falling apart immediately, which is funny because I feel like she's the one who has the least stakes. And why wouldn't you have Josie fall apart and then show Veronica as like the – As pulls her, as, pulls as her the together. put together. Yeah. So this, this episode's about Josie, so Josie's the one after Veronica's like, no, this is this is terrible. You're terrible projected. Everyone's fired. We're not friends anymore. Fortunately, Reggie and Archie are there to be like, why well, don't sit down? Why don't you just wait to see if they can fix Hold it? On. And then <laughs> Josie's like, Veronica, how quickly this like Frank, how quickly can you get a band together? And she's like, Well, I mean, Fangs is here, so I'm sure he has his guitar, so <laughs> 60 seconds. And yeah, so um 
they to distract everyone well uh the they boys get the five minutes yeah, slicing, get, it slicing it together, together. uh josie sings a song from the, the play movie. the wild party yep presumably from the movie it's from the play the wild party so there are two versions of the wild party the version that she is singing is from the way 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 less popular one <laughs> the one that's because one went up on broadway and then one didn't went up off broadway so they no they came out at the same time but one well has, i knew they came at the same time and but. like one made it to broadway and yeah. one made it to not broadway and one of them is like very fun and very peppy yeah and then one of them is like this type yeah. of music they're it all, just like it's not as hummable yeah. they're all based they're all based on the poem though yeah uh all right so uh, that happens. They sing. It's it's great. And then as everyone leaves, Veronica has paid the critic for his review, essentially. And then she just, like, I guess he dictated it to her and she wrote it down in her little turquoise notebook. I really liked that detail. I guess that's what she did, yeah. I don't know uh, why he wrote it during the movie. <laughs> no, I think that's fine. Because she has it, like, verbatim. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think if he's he's as professional a critic as he is, those are his first thoughts. I would argue that his first thoughts are too well put together. Because uh, not only is this review glowing mm-hmm. it's amazingly glowing and the way they do it makes me think there's going to be a pivot like she says two things that could be ambiguous an atom bomb has gone off in riverdale because yeah. this movie is a bomb like yeah no i agree <laughs> but no it's just not only is it a good review it is the best review a human being could receive right like he wrote his headline and his glowing, well-constructed first paragraph. Like, these are not his initial thoughts. I mean, these he, are... I mean, he's a professional critic. He was thinking this stuff during the movie. He was not watching the movie. He was thinking about what he was going to write. <laughs> I mean, that's what they do. I I, uh, I, I used to know someone who uh, did, uh, like, honest, like, honest music yeah. movie reviews, like, went to movie yeah, uh, yeah. things. And yeah, no, they would sit there and they do that and they just write. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm aware. I'm just trying to make our audience understand (laughs) how extremely well constructed this is she is reading an essay i almost thought that veronica was lying to him but no everything is true so josie thinks it's awesome and says hey veronica now she phrases in a really weird way because veronica did none of the things that should indicate someone should be doing this and she says this to a 16 year old who still has a year and a half of high school to go (laughs) she says veronica you know I think you should accept that you're just treading water in this town, managing a theater, when what you should be doing is making movies. Yeah. I'm like, well, nothing she did here was really making movies. She was more of like a... Um, a good manager. Yeah. Like, honestly, 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 she was a very good theater manager for managing events at that theater. Yeah. Like, that's what she was. Which, again, is, was why her calming Josie down instead and yeah. putting Josie on the stage would have made then, more sense yes. than, jo- than Josie calming her down after Veronica lost her mind and fired and told them they're not her friends anymore. He's <laughs> like, you would be a cool producer. You lose your head at the slightest instant, like the slightest thing wrong. And that's what we like to see. That's what we like to see in producers. I won't hire you, of course. I do all this stuff myself. Um, I, that's really when she's making movies. It's gotta be what she's referring to. Um, I, I think it's fine that like some weird Hollywood type comes in and is like, "Hey, you don't need school. It's the 1950s. You just need gusto, and you can come down to Hollywood with me." I'm like, Veronica, that's how you get human trafficked. Yep, I know we know <laughs> Josie, but you don't. Yeah, she could be weird, uh, but we have one last thing to see. 
So Archie comes home from a great night standing in front of a door at the theater and he walks into his bedroom and because nothing is sacred in anyone's bedroom in Riverdale. Frank has found Archie's poems. He read his journal. He read his poems. And Frank will not let Archie write poems about his dad. He can write poems about girls, but this will sully his dad's memory. He can't. You can't write these things. Archie's like, but my feelings. I have to write my feelings. I have to process how I feel about my dead dad. That's how I honor him. And so I like where this is potentially going. And it feels like a setup for that. And it feels like something that's in line with what this show should do. Okay. Will they do it well? Hmm. Um, Share your guess with me and I'll share my guess with you. I think the way that um, the actor, whose name I usually know because he's in a lot of sci-fi things, um, did this. And the way this is all set up feels like this is a sad uh, man in the 1950s who doesn't understand his own feelings about his dead brother and is being affected by the toxic masculinity of his age. And, uh, And, like, the poem affected him in a way, and he refuses to accept those feelings. So instead, he lashes out with anger, because that is the only thing uh, men are taught to react to things with, not feelings like a progressive progressive boy that Archie is. And I don't know. I think, I think addressing toxic masculinity a bit more is exciting, but I'm sure they won't do it well. I think that's a good plot. Yeah. I think it's going to reveal that Frank didn't actually die in the war. They just told Archie that, and it turns out that he actually died, like, in North America, and they're ashamed. Oh. No, see, that also feels like too good of a twist. <laughs> like, like the, the, the reveal that Archie doesn't know anything about his dad could is also a pretty good story. I just feel like this would explain why Frank... Frank is there and this and like all of the stuff that Archie was going through Mm -hmm. wasn't with his mom. It's because they wanted to eventually address toxic masculinity. uh, And you do kind of need a man to do that. that. Alternatively, do you think they didn't do the stuff with the mom because Molly Ringwald Andrews costs more money than this man? (laughs) Uh, I mean, yeah, that's also (laughs) saying the point. Uh, (laughs) But... I mean, even Frank wasn't there a whole lot. No, they're more, but not a lot. Yeah, I feel like they could have gotten uh, Molly stuff with like another day because he's pretty <laughs> much only at the house. I guess the coaching stuff. But, I mean, you could have just had another coach. There's no reason that that could have been Frank. It could have just been another guy who's like, I knew your dad. Uh, anyway, I think that's anyway, pretty cool. Anyway, I... I really like where your head's going. However, I don't Remains really to be seen. fathom how in three episodes, including one where we might have to go back to the 2020s, <laughs> we can cover toxic masculinity. And no, I mean, they're going to do a quick in one episode. That's how they do all this stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But this is We're gonna... also assuming they're going to pick up something next episode that they put down this episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I, I just, I can't buy into your hope. No, no argue, an argument. I don't think they're going to pick up next episode. I think they're going to pick it up the episode after. But once again... What does this have to do with Frank's character in the modern day? None of this stuff matters if they're going to go to the future again. Yeah, because future Frank did process his emotions about Luke Perry Andrews' death. Here's what I'm going to summarize with before we do that fun little music break and we go and we talk about other stuff. Um, This show cares so much about theme. This last season is all about theme. It's about... We, you would you address racial inequality. You address like um, queer identities. You address toxic masculinity. You address 
all of these things. Female that, sexuality. Female sexuality, which is for the audience, not for the characters. And I love things that do themes. But they're also bad at those themes. Well, the thing is, I feel like they don't really address them. <laughs> but they also, they yeah, go, sorry. They also don't address they them. They just go, these are here. Yeah. Do you know that these are problems? So, like, this, that's why I'm this thing. Like, maybe it's also honestly because I am a man. So, it is, like, something that is addressing me. Something maybe that's, you would like to see. Maybe that's yeah. chewing my brain, being like, I'm more excited to see this. Um, but uh, the setup for it is good. Uh, but, hey, we know Riverdale. The setup is always good. And then the show happens. I don't... Yes, this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment, moment where Logic came up with a really, really good idea for a cartoon... And then had to change it, and then it wasn't accepted anyway. I thought in the middle there, you're just going to patronize me more and just be like, did he come with a really, really good idea for maybe where the plot line might go? But he's stupid. I don't think you're stupid. I think no, 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 no. I just, I, Aaron, I was, that was a hyperbole. Uh, do your thing. Okay. I'm. What else I think is stupid is uh, the, the way that the show treats the audience sometimes. Like, they might not know something. <laughs> And they have to very clearly explain to us what Sabrina the movie is. Because making Jughead go, oh, yeah, that really good Audrey Hepburn movie. Oh, man. What was she called in that? <laughs> yeah. It could be like, what's the name of the, the character in the Audrey Hepburn movie? Like, Sabrina is the name of the movie. Like that conversation. That could have been it. <laughs> like if I think you could have done it slightly better if Veronica had been like, well, who's the opposite of Veronica Lake? Like, you know, someone cute. Like Audrey Hepburn. Oh, like Sabrina, the movie. Like she was just yeah, in Sabrina. Yeah, I saw that last year. That was so good. You should we do Sabrina. We'll do Sabrina. It's magical. Anyway, Kevin, did you find a CW moment? <sighs> yeah, I'm going to give it to Reggie deciding to tell Julian. Reggie doesn't like Julian. Reggie. Reggie hates Julian. And Reggie also doesn't like talking to people who aren't Archie. Yeah, it makes no sense that... Reggie would tell you like the like it it exists for plot Betty. reasons it which would, to enhance drama as well. It would make more sense if Reggie and Archie were talking about it and, and he overheard. overheard. Yeah, I think that's the case that he probably would overhear. Uh, or Archie could tell Julian. Archie would be dumb enough to tell yeah, Julian. Yeah, Archie would be dumb enough to tell Julian. Because, like, remember the Twilight Twist? The one we were talking about? Remember the one who I saved uh, Kevin from? Guess what we did? We did a threesome. Uh, <laughs> and I touched <laughs> Reggie's penis. The, it's just makes negative sense. It makes the opposite of sense. <laughs> Not no sense, the opposite of sense. Because even no sense makes sense in a way. The word's in there. <laughs> well, <sighs> hey, boy, we are getting to the end. I saw the other episode on Netflix. I know, I saw the description. We are going to have to do this again real soon. Yep. yep. Real soon. So soon. So if you want to join us uh, to do this soon, give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice. And if you want to know what we've been up to, follow us on the social media, Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA, at Instagram, at Twitter, and at gmail.com. And if you like my talking and you want to see my books, uh, you should head to KevinWeirdBooks.com. I will be at the Edmonton Comic Expo next month. That's the weekend of September 15th. So if you are in Edmonton, Alberta, you go going to that expo, you should come see me. 
I'll hopefully have the same table I had last year. So I'm going to be like in the back corner. Yeah. But yeah. Stop by. I'll have uh, copies of my books for sale. And you can find me at flimsyplan.com. And we will see all of you in like four days. Yay. Yay. Why does Frank really not want Archie writing poems about his dad? Will Veronica go to Hollywood? Will the public ever see Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Like in a TV show, like 60 or 70 years later. Yeah, like that. For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast?